On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to preview the NBA trade deadline. What should the Thunder do? Who should the Thunder target and grade your trades? You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and beat writer for InsideTheThunder.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles on today's show. Brought to you by FanDuel. We're joined by Michael Martin at Michael on Sports on Twitter to discuss the Thunder trade deadline, who the Thunder should target, and grade your trades. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers. Get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins by going to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. Michael, what a season that this has been for the Thunder. What do you view as, you know, what the Thunder should do this week as the trade deadline looms on Thursday? I think they just need to sure up some things on the back end and get some injury and just cold streak performance insurance uh, behind some guys. I mean, you're going to live and die by... Dub Shay Chet. If those goes guys go down, then you're just kind of it's it's over. But the rest of the guys, I think you can live with if there's an injury or something happens. But I would want to just sure up a little bit on the back end of the rotation because if you win, it's going to be because of those main three guys. But at the same time, if you lose, you don't want it to be because of lack of help for them. Yeah, I think that when you look at this Thunder season, it's been great to this point. You can talk about all the surprises and, and how great that they've been. There's also just no pressure to go make a huge move on Thursday. And I don't think that there's a huge move out there to be made, even if the Thunder were in a position where they wanted to go make a huge move. I'm not sure who would be out there uh, to go target. And so I think that these trade deadline targets are going to have to be uh, more in the margins and more reasonable to just kind of complete a roster versus overhaul it. And I think that for me, when you look at this Thunder team and people always wonder about chemistry and what if you bring someone in and it alters the chemistry, the players that you would be sending out in most of these trades do not log a single minute of, of regulation basketball where the game's still in the balance. So, uh, you know, you would be replacing those minutes with someone or replacing those nine minutes with somebody who can actually play and at least give you the opportunity to put them into games and, and impact things in a positive way. So, it's not as though you're going to be altering this team's chemistry. I don't think that it'll it'll have any ill effect on the locker room or, or on the team's performance overall. Uh, with based you know based upon what the packages are probably going to look like. Yeah, this should be something that helps you get to round two if you're very close without those guys that you trade for at the deadline, or help you win a couple more games in the first round. But this is not going to be something that shakes the foundation of this team, where you know you have to insert maybe a new starter or you have to reconstruct sort of the pecking order of the roster and shots, uh, qualities, and frequency. I'm with you. I think that it's just somebody you add to the mix who helps out, but I don't think that they're going to be a headliner by any means. And I think that you look at last year's roster, right, and, you, and last year's season got to this point at the deadline and the Thunder still made a move to improve their team. They traded away Mike Muscala, traded away Darius Baisley, two guys who were at the forefront of uh, team favorites and guys that the team rallied around. Uh, as chemistry guys and, and good vibe guys for the team. 
They got Dario Sarch, though, who is a better basketball player, and he improved the roster. And that's what it comes down to is if you can improve the roster anyway, especially for giving up uh, you know, less significant players, it can really, really help you make that second half push, especially after the All-Star break. And whenever you look at this trade deadline, I think that they should target some guys on the margin that are in a similar vein to a Dario Sarch level player because it's just easier to make big grand moves in the summertime than it is right now. Even if you pulled the trigger on something big right now, you wouldn't have enough time, honestly, to gel and to get on the same page and to learn the system in order to be your full self at uh, the postseason. So why not, if you're already going to be behind the eight ball to make a big trade in the postseason, why not just let this postseason be a, a season in which you get as much data points as you can on this team before you go make a, a, a more vast move? Exactly. And Sam has talked to us about this before, where he said, we're not going to try to fix a problem we don't know we have yet. I think you can generally kind of assume or know that there is somewhat of a rebounding issue. So you probably want to get another big to back up. Chet and Jay will just be another uh, bigger body out there. But I'm I'm with you. I don't think you want to shake the whole foundation. And like you said, in the summer, there's a lot of teams still now who are very confident who are going to get a big reality check in the playoffs and they'll come back to the table and the Thunder are still going to have all of these assets, whether or not they make a trade at this deadline. So I'm with you. I think that the bigger deals wait to the summer, but I still think they make some type of move at the deadline this week. Yeah. And, and Michael, obviously we have opinions of this team and of these players and how they all fit together and what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are. But the way that I put it yesterday was that, you know, this is, if you look at it as like a scientific method, while 50 games feels like a lot, you know, you and I have been at every home game, covered every game. It feels like a lot because you're invested in it day in and day out at practices and things like that. When you take a step back, it's really not that large of a sample size. It's enough of a sample size to make a hypothesis. It's not enough of a sample size to know if that's going to be right or not. And I think that you can get there after the postseason uh, with some of these assumptions about what the rosters are and what the roster is at this current point in time. So I think that we're aligned in, in that thinking. Yeah, the playoffs are just a different animal. This is going to be the first time that we see Mark in a playoff environment. This is going to be the first time that we see Shea as the number one undisputed guy on the playoff scouting report that teams are going to try to take out. We're going to see J-Dub and Chet in the postseason for the first time. I mean, J-Dub played the play-in last season, but it's going to be very, very different. And we're going to see what other guys, your your Aaron Wiggins, your Josh Giddies, your Lou Dortz, your Isaiah Joes, how they look when the lights are brighter. Because there are some guys, as we've seen with the Thunder, who step up under those circumstances. And there are other guys who, you know, the, the lights, I don't want to say they're too bright, but they don't perform at the same level they do in the regular season. The lights are too bright for this Thunder team. Some might say because of how young they are. And to me, this team to this point has proven that they're uncommon as a, as a mature basketball team for their age and, and, and for, uh, you know, their experience level. To me, they can't truly control that. I don't think that, I don't think that there's such a thing. If you firmly believe that this team is too young to go make a run, there's nothing that you can do with the deadline because the difference in, you know, this team making a run or not comes down to how they perform in the playoffs as in how the key guys do, J-Dub, Chet, and SGA. And so getting a veteran who's been to playoff series, it isn't going to be the key difference. It can certainly help, but I don't, I think that that's a little bit overblown, mainly because I, I'm of the belief that with this team, You've got to put the trust in them because of what they've shown to this point of that advanced maturity level. And I don't believe that come August 1st, I mean, I'm sorry, April 1st, they're just going to forget what basketball is and how to play it. So I, I feel strangely confident about this center team, but you look around the Western Conference, Michael, and 
what matchup do you just love? I think it's going to be a dogfight top to bottom in this conference. Yeah, there, there's no cupcakes in the West right now, and I'm with you. I don't think that you can trade for somebody and they're going to come in and be the magic solvent for everything. And you need these guys to get their their playoff lumps and their scars because that's what we saw with Russ and KD for a very long time is they had to take their lumps and they leveled up, they leveled up. But if you just protect these guys the whole time, I don't think it's going to work that way. So we will get into some of the top targets. You've brought five to the table. I've brought five to the table, including a wild card that Michael and I have never talked about before in any setting publicly on this podcast or even just, you know, talking before games and after games. So that's going to be really fun to get surprised by uh, those trade targets. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at FanDuel. Michael, it's the best time to go to FanDuel because it's Super Bowl week. You can go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to check out America's number one sports book and make your super bets on Super Bowl Sunday, which, by the way, the Thunder play in Super Bowl Sunday. So you can like make this a humongous day of parlaying and betting with a Thunder game in the afternoon, Super Bowl Sunday in the evening, and go check it out at FanDuel because they have player props, over-unders, spreads, parlays, all that good stuff at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. And whenever you're a new customer, you can get $200 in bonus bets just by winning your first $5 bet or more at fandle.com slash locked on. That's fandle.com slash locked on. You can go there right now and you don't have to wait for Super Bowl Sunday. You can bet on, you know, of course, NBA action, NFL action, but also college basketball, hockey, and all that other stuff. But specifically NBA, the Thunder, despite their lengthy injury report, are three and a half point favorites in Utah on Tuesday. You can go jump on that. If you want to at fandle.com slash locked on. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Michael, it's time. It's time to release the trade deadline preview and our favorite candidates for the Thunder. I'm going to let you start things off. Number one, this is one we've talked about for a very long time before it became the popular one on Twitter. For a very uh, for a while, and that's Kelly Olynyk. I think that's the number one guy I would go after. I think that he's very gettable. I know that Danny Ainge is going to ask for a lot of assets, but I think he's a guy who very much fits this team. Not a big ego. He shoots the three well. He can pass. He can defend well. He played in FIBA over the summer with Shea and Lou Dort. I think this is a great addition. What What are your thoughts on uh, Kelly Olynyk? I am in love with the addition of Kelly Olynyk. I think that the Danny Ainge thing. Some of this, some of these narratives get kind of overblown a little bit. Danny Ainge is also a very uh, reasonable human being and understands that there's not a ton to stand on with mm-hmm. the whole Kelly Olenek trade negotiations. It's it's the same thing with like what happens with the Thunder and Sam Presti. Like, oh, the Thunder never let anything leak. Well, yeah, they never do until they do. Like whenever, like their love of Pokashevsky was telegraphed from here to Kingdom Come. Uh, you know, during his draft, so Danny Ainge never, never makes a reasonable trade until he does, and I think that Kelly Olenek will be one that is pretty reasonable. But he has that relationship with SGA and Lou Dort. Uh, you saw how he played off of them at FIBA o- over the summer, uh, w- which he looked good in uh, besides his heroic shot he took in that one game uh, at the at the end of the game. But other than that, he's been really good for this team and uh, for those two players. And for this team, I think that he provides you such a nice weapon off the bench to spell Chet Holmgren because as much as I love Jay, Will, there are certain matchups where you'd rather have someone like Kelly Olenek in there than a Jay Will. And I think that whenever you see the success also, of how Jay will plays with Chet. Imagine Jay will playing with Kelly Olenek. That that would that would ideally maximize both of those players if you could have that happen. So I think that the cost of it would be relatively cheap in terms of matching salary. And with 20 tradable second round picks, 
who cares what Danny Ainge asked for? Because it's going to be a, 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 a combination of second round picks. Just throw him whatever you whatever he wants. It doesn't really matter at that point. Yeah, and it's not a great draft this year. The problem is everybody knows that. It's not like we're going to know that. Then these GMs don't. But Kelly Olenek is also a guy who I could see being open to re-signing Oklahoma City if you want to keep him as a backup or a rotation guy. He's played on some uh, big teams and some big games. He hasn't won at all. Uh, there's going to be a market for him, but I think this is a guy who is the prime example of what we're talking about, where it's just like bolstering the second unit, helping these guys out, injury insurance, insurance for cold performances from some guys like Jay Will, and somebody who can just, you know, be um, a, a great backup to Chet. And I think that's a great point about this year's draft. And I think that it, it might shock you uh, if you're listening to this uh, for whenever Thursday's deals start coming out. All first round picks are not created equally. And that usually is said about like the fact of like the protections on the picks. But in this draft class, like if the Thunder give up two first round picks for, for someone of the caliber, or even a little bit better than Kelly Olenek, but if they're both in the 24 class, it doesn't really matter. That's the cost of doing business because you want to give them multiple shots at finding a diamond in the rough in a draft class that you know is is not good. It just really is not good. And I think that this sport has evolved to the point where there's going to end up end up being good rotational players out of this draft class because you know the sport is so global that it's it's impossible to have 60 bad players. But the, the point would be there's not even that many starting level for sure starting level players in this draft class. Someone's going to pop, obviously, once it's all said and done. But heading into it, a lot of the guys who even are in the top 10, top 15 of mock drafts and, and big boards, their, their hope is to be a high-level contributor off the bench. And so that's where you're at with this draft, where you can see, not just from the Thunder, but from other teams as well, them being more willing to part with 24 picks uh, than, than what you typically would see at the deadline. Because typically at the deadline, second-round picks is what make the deals go around. Yeah, I'm with you. I uh, This upcoming draft, you draft somebody and you hope that they can be a role player in a few years. Why wouldn't you just trade the picks now and get a role player who you are 99% sure can be that guy right now when you probably need him rather than stashing him in the G League or whatever it is? So Kelly Olenek was my number one. I'm going to move on to my number two, though, which is Dorian Finney-Smith. I think that with Dorian Finney-Smith, he his defense is so incredible still to this day as, as he gets older in Brooklyn. And you just imagine that switchability and versatility in Oklahoma City and him being surrounded by much, much, much better defenders. And I would say that he would be put into a situation where he's playing alongside the best defenders he's ever played with, going back to Dallas, to Brooklyn, to now, uh, you know, playing with them within the team. And with his versatility defensively, that can make nightmares for opposing uh, offenses, especially in the playoffs when things go to the half court. And this is a guy who can shoot the lights out of the gym and he's proven it on the big stage. If you're someone who's a fan of uh, the idea of going to get uh, experience and specifically playoff experience, this guy's been around big players and big time games. He helped Luca get to the Western conference finals at, as, at 22 years old, like the same relative experience level as SG. Of course, SG is a bit older than uh, Luca at 24 right now than he was during that run, but the same relative postseason experience that the two will have. And so I think that Dorian Finney-Smith can come in uh, and, and really just ignite this team down the stretch of the season and also in the postseason. He's played for some great coaches. He's played for some great teams, and he knows what it takes to, to manage a seven-game series. Identical top two from us. You can tell we talk a lot just based our, yeah. on our taste here, but I'm with you. DFS, I think he would be great for this team as well. I think it's sort of a 1A, 1B between him and Kelly Olenek. It just depends on really what you value. Um, and if you can get both, that's phenomenal. But um, 
he's a guy who can fit with basically any rotation they want, any lineup they want. He can play the four. He can play the three. He can play small ball five if you want for some things, if you really get desperate. I think he's another dog off the bench that you can pair with Kenrich. And like you mentioned, his experience playing in some big games, he's not going to be rattled. He's going to be a guy who's ready to play. And I think that he would fit perfectly with this team. And I didn't really think about it the way that you did in terms of like the best defenders around him. But yeah, he's never had anyone to pair with him in a tandem as great as Lou Dort. And then at the rim, Chet Holmgren. I mean, Mikhail Bridges is pretty good. And so is um, Nick Claxton. But I would say it's a it's a little bit different uh, level of category as far as Dort is a point of attack defender. And then um, Chet just blocking shots from everywhere. And you you go back and watch that the highlights of that Mavericks run to the Western Conference Finals and look at how Finney Smith is always ready, always knocking down big shots off of uh, off of Luka Doncic driving kicks. SGA is going to get a lot of that same attention and be able to kind of benefit from that as well for the Thunder. So I like Dorian Finney-Smith. I've been tracking him since the summertime as a trade target for the Thunder. So excited that he's available. And according to the New York Post, they're looking into it. We'll see if anything comes of it on Thursday. But your number three, since we have the same top two, is who, Michael? Another Brooklyn net. I'm going with Cam Johnson. This one's going to be the longer term one because he does have three years left on his deal, not including this year, around $22 million per year. Um, he's going to cost a little bit more because he does have that longer term deal where he can't leave. And he's a valuable commodity just in terms of a skill set as a three and D player with some size. And we've seen him on some good teams. We've seen him with the Suns where they made a finals run. And I think that he would be a guy who would be a great compliment to Joe. And honestly, it gets as simple as you put shooters who can also defend at a decent rate next to Shea, you're going to win a lot of games. So I think that he's somebody who might cost a little bit more just because you're guaranteed to have him around longer if you want him. But I think he's a valuable player. Yeah, so I think the interesting part about this to explore would be that cost because our first two names we kind of know the cost. It's matching salary mm -hmm. and second round picks. And if, if we're doing Finney Smith, like, like we mentioned before, you give away a 24 first round pick form. Who cares? The Nets get to say they got a first round pick form. It doesn't really matter. Now for Cam Johnson, it is a much different ordeal off the top of your head. Kind of, you just have to be perfect. But like what would you be willing to part with to, to be able to, to, uh, to get Cam Johnson? Oh boy. Probably without looking at their assets and the thunders, I would probably say, um, I would go with you got to throw Bertans in for the money and then probably two firsts and two seconds, or maybe you go um, three firsts that are all this year because you don't necessarily need any of those guys. And like we mentioned, you're going to have him for multiple years. So he cam Johnson is now your draft pick. So I would do that. And then maybe you get a couple seconds back, but it's, I think the sh um, sticker shock of three firsts might get some people, but Think about it, Ryan. The guys who the Thunder have taken at 18 to 20, it's Trey Mann, it's Poku, it's guys like that. It's a real crapshoot at that part of the draft. It's very, very hard. That's why we can all remember the guys who go in that range, like Tyrese Maxey, who really pop off. So I'm 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 of the opinion that you can spend on a guy like Cam Johnson and spend a lot of assets just for this draft. And I don't think it'll kill you in the long term. Exactly. I think that with with Cam Johnson. The, the Woj tweet for that scenario would, would send people into a frenzy, but I am way more than comfortable for the Thunder trading out of this this draft. It, it's just to that level where, um, again, if you're hoping that they eventually turn into rotational players, the Thunder just are not on that same timing, really. Now, maybe, you know, everyone's wrong whenever they buy with this draft. Maybe, maybe, you know, of course, the NBA guys get paid way more than we do to make these decisions, but 
Uh, as of right this moment, you know, it doesn't appear that there'd be an instant impact player like a Cason Wallace, like a J-Dub, like a Chat in this draft at any range in the draft. So trading away three first-round picks even uh, would not be too much of a harm. But I think that you look around also at Indiana. This has been something that's kind of cooled off since the Siakam trade. Uh, you know, when, when the trade first went down, these two guys were heavily in trade talks of Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson. Uh, Jalen Smith, I think, plays more thundery than Isaiah Jackson does. But Isaiah Jackson would give you a curveball. And I think that a curveball is very important in the postseason. Going back to Dallas, you know, they threw in Boban, you know, Boban Marjanovic into the Clippers series, and it really junked things up and helped them uh, win some minutes. You know, sure, you want to play to a certain identity, but you also want to be able to counteract that um, and, and, and kind of give the opponent something different to look at. Isaiah Jackson could do that, but Jalen Smith, with his shooting and with his you know more versatile style, he can certainly fit with the Thunder more so. Do you like either one of those guys for the Thunder? I like Jalen Smith a little bit more of just having a constant guy who can, you know, somewhat protect the rim. Nobody's Chet. And then also he's not Chet as a shooter, but a guy who can reasonably space out to three as your five and just open lanes up for dub and Shea and Giddy and all these guys, I think is ideal. I think a guy like Isaiah Jackson, who correct me if I'm wrong, is more known as an athlete. I think would be a little bit harder to add to the mix just because they haven't had anybody like that. I'm with you with change of pace guys, but, I think that more than anything, the Thunder really want to keep their identity of as many guys who can space the floor as possible, especially at those big spots. So we're at number four, and your number five is the wild card who we've never talked about. So uh, number four for you is? I'm not going to go with another net. I could. It, it's just boring, but I'm going to go with another big that we have talked about that I think you brought up to me that I thought was a good one, or we thought of at the same time and some clairvoyance thing. But Kavon Looney. I think that he's very interesting if the Warriors ultimately decide to sell, which they probably should. He's a guy who has dealt with injuries and things like that. But if you talk about someone with battle scars who's played against quite literally or almost literally every great big in the West in some playoff capacity, he's the guy. And he's going to be somebody who's not going to require a lot of minutes. He's somebody who can pass and play within the structure of this team. He can't space the floor, but he's a decent rim protector. He's an underrated rebounder. And I think that he would just fit very nicely into this team in this rotation and you can mitigate some of those injury concerns by just not needing to play him a ton under certain circumstances unless you get matched up with uh, Minnesota or the Lakers or Denver or somebody and then you know with that it's great to have him yeah not only will he not require minutes but it, it'd be beneficial for him to to take some minutes off uh, with Oklahoma City style. So I really like uh, Kevin Looney. We talked about him a lot and another one who this is one we haven't talked about a ton. Uh, but I think is interesting. I, and I'm not even sure if I'm sold on him. It's just an interesting name to add in specifically because I'm kind of curious. I still don't have a good feel of what it would take to get Wendell Carter Jr. Where do you land on him? And what do you, what do you think might be the price range for him? I don't know. He seems like the guy who's in right in the middle of starting center to backup center. And I'm always very hesitant on those guys in terms of like, I don't know how much they're going to end up getting paid. Um, I liked him out of the draft, but just following him with Orlando, I'm, I'm not sure I'd be interested if the Thunder believe in him enough to trade for him. I'd sell myself on it, but I'd be a little bit hesitant on him as a guy to add. He seems like someone you would add in the, the postseason. I don't know. Whenever I'm looking at a lot of these bigs that we've mentioned, whether it be Looney or Olenek, it's more guys who are veterans who have been there. And it seems like Wendell Carter Jr. is still an unfinished product who's still developing and i don't know that i would want to be in the business of you know pushing him and chad at the same time trying to figure out who they are 
We have our wild cards coming up. Plus, we're going to grade your takes. But first, I want to say right now, but our friends over at BetterHelp, check out BetterHelp today because sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off of our chest, big or small. Certain things can really take a toll on you. So it's important to let those things out, especially uh, to someone who's unbiased in your life. So today, I want to say that you know it's a great time for you to jump in at betterhelp.com and get something off of your chest, something that needs to be out of your mind and help you clear things up with an unbiased party. Check it out today uh, because BetterHelp is there for you. And the best thing about BetterHelp is that it's all online. And so they're going to take this questionnaire. They'll match you with a licensed therapist and get going around your schedule. Many deterrents from therapy have been the fact that, you know, you have to go to a brick and mortar building and there's just not enough time in the day to get it all done. This way with better help, since it's digital, it can be all around your schedule and really get you uh, the help that, that can really be good for you. So check it out today at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked in MBA. When you do, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked in MBA. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Michael, it's time for our wild card round. Two guys between us who we've never discussed, which is going to have to be crazy for a fair warning because we've discussed quite a lot of names. So these names might shock you, the listener, but who's your wild card? I have been wrestling with this because it's like, I don't feel like we've discussed this, but there's a good chance that you're going to tell me, Michael, you're dumb. We have talked about him, but that is uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Atlanta Hawks. I think that he would be a nice piece for this team as insurance for Isaiah Joe getting hurt or going cold. Aaron Wiggins, Casey Wallace not being ready as a rookie. He's a guy who's never shot under um, 36% from three. He's a career 38% shooter from three. He's, um, oh, no, I have the wrong stats here. No. Yeah, 38.5 for his career. Never under 36. That's right. He shot above 40 over the last two year, uh, two of the last four. He's 6'5", so he adds a lot of the Thunder size that you like. He's not an ideal defender, but he's not somebody you're necessarily going to have to hide at that size. He also can pass. He can dribble. He can shoot. He can do a lot of things. And he's been in some big games, like it seems like is the theme of this pod of guys that we're looking to add to this team. And I just think overall he would be a nice piece and another heat check guy off the bench because it seems like, especially last year, this team kind of came and gone with the shooting of Isaiah Joe. And I want to get some more insurance in case something does happen. Of course, we're not predicting that he's going to go cold around the playoffs, but that's just one of those things where if it does happen, you want to have some type of alternative. Yeah, and I think that you know this would be beneficial too to be able to keep playing Isaiah Joe even if he went cold from beyond the arc because Isaiah Joe's made himself so much more valuable than just his three-point shooting with his uptick in playmaking, his uptick in finishing, his uptick defensively and rebounding. So this allows you to still have a really good shooter while playing Isaiah Joe even if he's not shooting the cover off the ball because it's hard to do that for a sustained period, uh, especially in big games, especially in the half court, mainly uh, with what the Thunder are going to have to look like in the postseason. So I, I really like this one. Surprisingly, uh, we've gotten way too in the weeds and have skipped over that one. So you did a good job with your wild card pick. Uh, I, I think that the price would be relatively low. You know, within the, at the deadline, the currency is second round picks, and the Thunder have stockpiled twenty of them that they can trade. So they have what it takes to go acquire guys who improve this roster. And that's why. Throughout the last few years, whenever people keep saying, why second round picks, why second round picks, it's right now because you can just name your price and go get whatever veterans out there that can help you overhaul this roster and get over the hump. My wild card is truly wild. Jalen Green 
kicked the tires on Jalen Green, putting him in a structured system for the first time in his life. Because the Ignite, uh, as much as I love them, uh, especially the first year, was not exactly the most structured environment for a player. The first time in his professional life to have structure, to have balance, to have a roster that is not just an AAU-like Everyone go try to get buckets and see what happens. Like you have a design designated role and responsibility each game and a delicate balance. And as a scoring punch off the bench might be something to consider if the price is low enough. Although I don't think that the price is going to be too low as they're trying to use him as like one of their big trade chips. But what do you think of Jalen Green in general? Is the, is Can the lion be tamed, so to say? You mentioned these were trades that we had not discussed before, and I see why you did not throw this one my way. You know my thoughts on Jalen Green. I'm not the biggest fan. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think this is more of a summer deal if you are going to take a risk. I also think that the Rockets would probably never do this, just the PR backlash of how connected these two franchises are and if Jalen Green turned out to be good for this team. But I'm interested. I, I've talked about Jalen Green less as a star, but more as like that Malik Monk-type role as like a high energy shooter, great athlete who can come in and get buckets for you. I just don't think with this team and them wanting to win right now, and like you mentioned, he hasn't played in a lot of structured competitive environments. I don't think the runway would be long enough to get him ready for the playoffs, but I, I'm at least open to it, which you knowing me is um, a big difference in usually my thoughts on Jalen Green. Yeah, that's a huge uh, step in the right direction for your Jalen Green commentary. But Michael, let's grade some fake trades. Uh, those of you that will have Do been it. sending us in these fake trades since January. So some of these are all the way back from early January, mid-January. Uh, like this one from T, who says, what about James Wiseman to the Thunder or Pokashevsky, Trey Mann, and two second-round picks? Uh, I'll turn that down. I just, James Wiseman, I don't, I think he's a theoretical basketball player. And we've already seen him just not ver be very good on multiple teams. I don't think, like with Mark, it's all about processing speed and understanding things. And I think that's what he lacks more than anything. So I get the idea of James Wiseman, but at that point, I would rather just hold on to what you have in those draft assets. And then Poku and Trey Man have been good locker room guys. So I see no issue with keeping them around. Does Isaiah Stewart interest you at all? That's that's more interesting, more interesting. I've liked Isaiah Stewart for a while. He seems like sort of power forward Dort in a way, how Pistons fans talk about him, where there's some shot selection issues and concerns, but he's tough. He's going to bring it. He's going to fight. He's going to be in the mix for a lot of those things. So I wouldn't mind him as a ninth or tenth man. The problem is he's been like a top five guy a lot of these years for the Pistons, but I think a new change of scenery for him and a new role that's very, very much condensed would be interesting. So this is a player that that you have uh, really enjoyed talking about throughout this trade deadline season, but we didn't get to you on the show. This fake trade is Kyle Kuzma to the Thunder for Davis Bertans, Trey Mann, a second, another second, and a first. Oh, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. That's that's so easy because if it's a first in this draft, I'm assuming it's just yeah. nothing. I I don't think the Wizards would do this, but you're not giving up any of your core guys. And he's somebody who can play in your starting lineup or he can come off the bench and be a dynamic six man. He can stretch the ball to three. He has some underrated passing chops. I think he's an underrated rebounder as well. And he's somebody who's played on a championship team. And I understand that there have been people who have discounted it because it's like, oh, he was a seventh or eighth man. Well, guess what? That's what he would be roughly on this team. So I'm, I'm very high on that. He can play small ball five. He can guard uh, pretty well on the wing. I think that he's a guy who, although he's been in a losing environment, would be able to snap back into it playing on the Thunder. 
And then this trade kind of ties into Shamshirani's report is Andre Drummond for two seconds in Poku. The more so independent of the trade, because I think that's probably what the trade's going to look like. What are your overall feelings on Andre Drummond, who isn't exactly thundery, but also you know is one of the better backup big men in the NBA? And for that price, just to have that tool in your toolbox might be a little bit worth it for Oklahoma City. Yeah, I think that's sort of a your last resort you put on the back burner of like, if everything fails, we can do this. And I don't know a ton about Andre Drummond, like personally, what he would bring to the locker room and things. He's not a guy who I can think can shoot from three. I think that Mark would have to wrangle him in on some of those things where he likes to take it on the break and other stuff like that. Sort of the, the shacked and a fool Drummond plays. But as far as just a backup big who can just be um, serviceable and not cost you minutes and play 10 or so minutes in a playoff game, I think that that's, decent and then giving up two second round picks and salary filler i don't think is a big deal so i'd be in on that but i would explore other options first now pj washington is another fan favorite on these on these fake trades do you have any any favoritism for pj washington i think that like i just can't i can't get to the point where i'm like oh yeah this is a guy the thunder should go get i'm more so at the point where it's like if we got the notification that the thunder have traded for pj washington i'm like oh Pretty, pretty cool, but I wouldn't, I, I'm not just like itching for it. How much do you think is, this is just a thing because PJ Washington killed the thunder last year in a big, I game. think that's a large majority of it. And the, the, the Kentucky stuff and like, so, you know, th- those kind of things. I, I don't think it's very, uh, very, uh, basketball related. Probably. I think he would be a good guy to change up scenery like Malik Monk, whenever he got out of the Charlotte, whatever cesspool they have over there. But I'm, I would say I'm, pj washington agnostic i'm open to it i just don't have a lot of strong opinions because we've never like i maybe i'm a casual i'm not beating my door down to watch league pass to watch charlotte a lot of times especially when Lamelo and brandon miller haven't been playing and i've seen some decent things from him but there's nothing that stands out to me of just like oh this is the, the guy to go get so i'm with you if they make the trade for him i'd be a little bit surprised but i would trust sam in the front office on that but it's not a guy who i'm willing to put my um I'm not willing to put stuff on the line out for and say, this is the guy they need to go get one Hornet that I'm very interested in, especially for the Thunder specifically is Gordon Hayward. We've talked about him a lot too. And I I've been on, you know, the Charlotte flagship radio station and uh, the buzz city beat pod as well. Talking about the Thunder and Hornets making a trade with Gordon Hayward. I understand the injury risk, but if there's ever a team that can take on that injury risk, it's Oklahoma city because they're only going to be asking for matching salary who, again, you don't play. So like the matching salary part doesn't matter at all. It's just a, it's just a bookkeeping thing. And then uh, a couple second round picks. And it, and let's just say that you make that trade and God forbid Gordon Hayward gets, gets hurt the next game. You gave away two of 20 second round picks for Gordon Hayward and got nothing out of it. You shrug your shoulders and move on. It does not impact your life at all because those second round picks are so easily uh, gotten back uh, in a different trade in the summer or next year or whenever to restock that pile uh, of these second round picks. So I would really enjoy trading for Kelly. I'm sorry, Kelly. Like, yes, but also Gordon Hayward uh, specifically, because it's no risk to me. The, the injury risk is just not there for the thunder as it would be for other teams. They're already not going to count on him as much as other, as other uh, depthless teams. And also if he, if the worst thing happened, it's not the worst thing for Oklahoma city. Yeah, he's the X factor wild card guy that you could trade for. You can put him on a minutes restriction immediately, and just I would make him a backup and just say, "Here uh, meets it's minutes for a lot of nights. You're going to play ten to twelve minutes. We're just going to run you out there, see how you look." He's a guy who has enough 
ball handling chops, enough passing ability to do that. And I think he just fits in pretty seamlessly with a lot of guys on the roster. And he's another guy who doesn't have a big ego, who's going to come in and play the right way. He seems very thundery in a lot of ways. It's just the injury thing. But if you give up Bertans expiring, who's probably not going to play for you in the playoffs anyways, and two second round picks just for like a long shot, I think that's absolutely worth it. That's a lottery ticket worth scratching off. Michael, what is your prediction for what will happen on Thursday? Oh boy. Um, I'm going to say one of Olenek or Dorian Finney-Smith. I'm going to say one of those two guys are the top two on our boards. Maybe that's wish casting, but I think they go and get one of those guys just to supplement the roster like we've been talking about and sort of just bolster the rotation. But anything other than that, I'd be pretty surprised by. Or No, I wouldn't be surprised by it. But um, star trade, I'd be surprised by. But I'm very much looking forward to seeing who they trade for, how much they give up, and the guy they get because that's going to tell us a lot about what Sam is kind of thinking this roster might be missing. Yeah. I think that the, the trade deadline, they will do something. I would, if, even if it's something as, as limited as, as, as Baisley and Poku as a, as an impending restricted free agent, just kind of getting him out of there uh, for, for some other player like Sarge was last year for Baisley who ended up being really good uh, after you traded Muscala, they'll do something at the deadline. And the miss, the misinformation from the Thunders camp, like Zach Lowe talked about is for sure real. Because they it, because they have the luxury for it to truly be real. Because no matter no matter what you pitch, the Thunder should be doing. If you think that the Thunder should be being ultra aggressive or being ultra conservative of just like, hey, let this team ride it out, both of those things are are very sound thoughts for this team. And because of that, no one can get a good read on what they're doing. So they might do something that causes us to have an hour long emergency podcast at, at the at the deadline. That's just you know based upon what they have in terms of like their assets. I don't think that they're going to do that. I think that they're going to do something that improves this roster. I think that Friday morning, you will look at the center team and say they got better. Uh, I don't think that it'll be like this jaw-dropping, earth-shattering move, though. So in the, the same vein of Kelly Olenek or Dorian Finney-Smith or someone of that caliber. I'm going to leave you with some old Oklahoma wisdom of, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You are tied for the number one seed in the West. If you can get some guys who can add to that, that's great, but let's not risk it and shake it up and see who they can add with a big piece. That's something that maybe you can do in the summer, but I'm with you. I I'd be floored if there's a guy who's like a current all-star, like if we say former all-star, like Gordon Hayward would count for that. So I'm not saying that, but I, I don't think this is going to be something where we're like, Oh man, the entire landscape of the West and this team has changed. I think it's going to be something that makes the team better and helps in certain areas, but it's not going to be something that just ascends them to the next level as a contender. Yeah, that's exactly right about this Thunder team specifically. Whenever you are getting so zeroed in on one team and you're watching all 50 games to this point of their season, it's so easy to pick apart every individual thing that they do wrong and all their flaws. There is no perfect team in this in this you know association. There just isn't. And there never will be a perfect team in the NBA. Even the Boston Celtics, who I think is far and away the best team in the NBA, they have flaws too. And so you're, you're just never going to find a, a way to cover everything up. And so for the majority of, uh, you know, their basketball season so far, and also the majority of their basketball skills are really good. That's why they're the top team in the West. Yes, they do have some shortcomings in terms of size and rebounding. They also use that to their advantage though, on the flip side to be this good. So the point being, as you mentioned, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's, it's going to be, uh, you know, you're always going to have holes to plug on the, on the ship, but for the most part, the thunder limit have limited those holes and have looked really really good this season yeah it should be exciting and um, I think that some guys are still due to take some extra steps but 
I'm very much looking forward to seeing what happens in the deadline. I'm sure we'll have some big reactions afterwards. Michael, let them know where they can go watch your fantastic Chet Holmgren video, what you've got cooking up, and also find you on across all social medias. So at Michael on Sports is on YouTube and on Twitter. I did a um, compilation video breakdown of Chet's shot blocking from this year that Rylan has uh, kindly plugged. And then um, the sneak peek scoop is that J-Dub, Jalen Williams will have a video coming out on Wednesday at some point talking about his fourth quarter magic and just how good he's been in January. So looking forward to having some things on that. And then I'm hoping to get back in the podcast game soon. It's been a little bit of a hiatus going back to my time with Thunder Buddies, but I miss doing it, miss doing it with people like Ryland. So I'm, I'm happy to get back in the game. Always appreciate the kind words. That was a thun, a Lockdown Thunder exclusive scoop, by the way, about that video on Wednesday. So make sure you credit Lockdown Thunder if that ever gets out and gets leaked from this show. But, Michael, thanks for joining us. We're going to do this again very, very soon. And so until next time, be good and be good to one. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible T-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.